Sir. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. One of the most memorable quotes, legal and political quotes of all time is... It depends on the meaning of is, or it depends on what the meaning of is, is. Those were the words of our president, Bill Clinton. He was caught in the crosshairs of a sexual tryst with Monica Lewinsky in the Oval Office. And when he was caught after saying, I did not have sex with that woman, He said under oath, it depends on what the meaning of is, is. So I'm going to ask you right now, what is the meaning of is? What is the meaning of is? Now that may be a little tougher to answer because we use the term so often. Even God used the term in the Bible over and over and over again. His word is truth. His word is life to those that find it. The word is is a very, very important word. So why did Bill Clinton take issue with it? Why did he try to equivocate with one of the simplest words in the English language? Because he had a reason to do so. He had a motivation to do so. So I want to ask you a question as we launch into the deep here today on Viewpoint. Do words matter? Now, don't answer too quickly. Because if words matter, then they have to matter to you. And if words don't matter to you, then they don't matter, at least in a generic sense, in your life. So if that were true, if words don't matter in your life that much, then why should you expect words to matter in anybody else's life? Why should they matter in Bill Clinton's life? Why should they matter in Donald Trump's life? Or why should they matter in Billy Graham's former life? Or why should they matter in Joe Biden's life? Or why should they matter in anybody's life? Apparently, words matter. Though, from God's perspective, because he said so. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. The Word is Jesus. Jesus was the living incarnation of God the Father. So when Jesus said, I and the Father are one, what he was basically saying is I am identical to the Father. I am in an identity with the Father. And that's what the word is means. It means that one thing is the same as the other. 
So when God says his word is truth, he's comparing word with truth and saying they're the same thing. They should have the same implication for you and for me. But do they? Today on Viewpoint, we're going to take a look at how we play games with words. And we don't do it just innocently. We do it to our own destruction. And we're seeing that the more we play games with words, whether it be the word is or the word recession or the word equity or whatever other term you want to pick out, we're going to look at a number of them here today. The more we play games with those words, the more we actually diminish the language, the meaning of the language, and bring confusion so that we can't even communicate honestly with one another. And when you can't communicate honestly with one another, you can't trust one another. So the meaning of the word is actually is the foundation for trust. If one thing that is said to be the same as another is not, then trust is broken. So if the head of the Homeland Security says that we have border security, that the border is secure, which is what Alejandra Mayorkas did say yesterday. The border is secure. Notice the word is. What he's doing is saying border is the same as security. So you can trust that the fact that the border is security, and security means there is a true and legitimate border. That's what is means. It's a relational word that helps us to understand and trust what is said. But what happens when, as Bill Clinton said, it depends on what the meaning of the word is, is. When you start equivocating with the meaning of a word like is, the rest of the language goes south. And we're not talking about geographical. It just doesn't mean anything anymore. The language is destroyed. So today we want to take a look at a number of different words for purposes of illustration that help us to understand why we're in the trouble that we're in. It's not really a mystery. When God says his word is truth, does he mean it? And if he means it, do you agree? If you don't agree that his word is truth, then you won't obey it. But if you do agree that his word is truth, then you will understand that the word is, from God's perspective, is making a likeness or a simile between his word and truth that you can depend on for your life. And if you disagree with that, you also are in the likes of Bill Clinton, who said it depends on what the meaning of the word is, is. Now, that may seem like a strange way to open a program here today, but it's far more important that you might, than you might even think, than you might even consider. So what is it about words? Words matter. Do they matter to you, though? 
You see, in general, we want words to matter coming from someone else, but we don't much want words to matter when they come from us, except when we really mean it, of course. You see the problem. Words are supposed to communicate truth. They're supposed to communicate an idea that is believed, that is understood, has a definition, and because it has a definition, can be trusted to communicate what was embodied in the words. So in reality, words are containers. They're containers of meaning, of ideas. And when those containers become fractured and other ideas are poisoned or injected into those containers, we've got big problems. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. What is truth? You see, that was the question that was asked in a sarcastic way by Pontius Pilate, that crusty Roman governor, as he was questioning Jesus Christ that was brought to him, who was brought to him uh, to be crucified because the religious leaders of the day didn't want to take responsibility for it. They wanted to be able to cast the blame on Rome. So, question. Did the Jewish people crucify Jesus, or did Rome crucify Jesus? The answer is both. They both crucified Jesus. The Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin, intending to crucify Jesus, calling, screaming for the death penalty, went to Rome, the official authority, and demanded that he be crucified. Rome had the authority The Sanhedrin had the religious authority on behalf of the Jewish people to come before Rome, and so they both crucified Jesus. They did. They both crucified Jesus. So when we have this argument over, well, did the Jews crucify Jesus or did Rome crucify Jesus, the reality is they both did from God's viewpoint and will be held responsible accordingly. This matter of words is such a big deal. You might say, well, the reason you're concerned about words is because you're a lawyer, and words matter to lawyers in ways different than they were to the rest of the people. My wife might say that to you. On the other hand, words matter to God. Was he a lawyer? No. The reason words have to matter to you and to me is because... Life matters, and truth matters. And if truth doesn't matter, then life doesn't really matter. So, when we say, choose life, what God was really saying is, choose my word. Choose to agree 
with my word because my word is truth. Do you believe that? If you believe that, why aren't you willing to obey it? See, therein lies the problem, and that's why the religious leaders, that's why Israel got in deep, deep trouble coming out of Egypt. God says, look, I am the truth, I am God, there is none other. Why is it you continue to rebel against me? You don't agree with my viewpoint. You don't agree with my words. You don't trust me. Because my words are trustworthy, but yours are not. So, all that having been said, we lay the spiritual foundation or viewpoint concerning this matter of words. All right? So let's take that spiritual viewpoint then and let's apply it where we really live. I'm going through, even as we speak, you might hear me going through and rustling some papers here. And uh, what I'm really doing is going through a whole series of articles and definitions of various words that we have problems with. Oh, we have big problems with these words. And the reason we have big problems with these words is we just don't agree with truth. We don't like truth. We only like truth when we speak it and think somebody should take us at our word. But we don't much like it when somebody else speaks and they want us to take us at their word and we don't believe that their word can be trusted. Are you beginning to get the sense this matter of words is directly related to the issue of trust? Do you think trust is important? Do you think trust is important? Is it important for our lives? Is it important for our country? Is it important for the church? Is it important for your family? Then we have to restore the value of words to what the dictionary defines them as, not to what we want them to be, not to what we want to construe them to be, but what they really are. Interestingly, one of the United States senators came out with an article. Today, political correctness is dominating the Biden administration. Political correctness is dominating the Biden administration. Where did we get the word, the, the two words political correctness from? Do you know what they are? They are a euphemism for changing the import of language to mean something other than the words actually say in order to conform to an expectation that is created for political import. That's what it is, political correctness. The words themselves are exactly the opposite of their meaning. Correctness? You've got to be kidding me. It has nothing whatsoever to do with correctness. It has to do with incorrectness for political purposes. But we use the word political correctness because, well, the goal is to change people's thinking. The goal is to change people's believing, ways of believing, and understanding of words. So it's called correctness when, in fact, it's just the opposite. The same is true with regard to labels that are picked by our governmental 
authorities, Congress and so on, when they put a label on a particular bill. The majority of the time, I think it's fair to say, the majority of the time when they put a label on a particular bill, it means just the opposite of what the label says. They're using the label to deceive, to lead you astray, to let you believe one thing, when in fact lurking deep within the document is something quite the contrary. So, Lindsey Graham came out and said that Vice President Kamala Harris began a meeting by stating her gender identity showing political correctness running amok in the Biden administration. It happened uh, yesterday, starting a Tuesday meeting with disability advocates by announcing her name, sex, gender, identity, and what she was wearing. Senator Graham said, just when you think it can't get any sillier, the American people are caring but not generally confused by the difference between a man and a woman. So Harris began the meeting by saying, I am Kamala Harris. My pronouns are she and her. I am a woman sitting at the table wearing a blue suit. Now, doesn't that sound rather silly? Why? Because the meaning of woman has been put at risk. A woman is not a woman. According to the newest superior, a Supreme Court justice who was just ensconced a month ago. She said she could not define the meaning of the word woman. Why could she not define it? It's not because she could not, it's because she would not. Why? Because she has adopted a politically correct, progressive notion that women are not necessarily women, that men are not necessarily men, you see the problem. So we can't trust the language anymore. We can't trust talk about a woman. We can't talk about a man. We can't talk the meaning of the word is has been destroyed. And the intent is purposeful. The intent is purposeful to destroy the trustworthy nature of the language. And the reality is, it's not just Democrats that have been involved in this kind of nonsense. The whole culture is involved in this kind of nonsense. And it's taking place all over the world. Let's consider the word recession, for instance. This has come up big time, particularly since this very day, The Fed has upped the interest rate again by three-quarters of a point and supposedly to combat inflation. But is that really what they're trying to combat? We don't know because they keep changing the meaning of the words. So let's talk about the word recession. I'm looking now at the dictionary definition. A period of temporary economic decline during which trade and industrial activity are reduced, generally identified by a fall in GDP, that's gross domestic product, in two successive quarters. 
Oxford Dictionaries. It's very clear. That is the understanding of the meaning of the word recession. But what if you don't like that? What if you have another idea that you don't want to be identified as in a recession? Then you have to find a way to fight the definition so that you cannot say a recession is and then define it. We have to destroy the word is in order to create a new understanding that matches what we want to have happen. So an article by the Market Realist came out today. It's called Fact Check. Did Biden change recession definition ahead of quarter two GDP? Indeed, he did. A White House blog post has courted controversy over its definition of a recession. So is President Joe Biden trying to redefine recession ahead of the U.S. second quarter GDP release? Absolutely. That's exactly what he's trying to do. Globally, the most widely accepted definition of recession is two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. But a White House blog post says, while some maintain that two consecutive quarters of falling real GDP constitute a recession, that is neither the official definition nor the way economists evaluate the state of the business cycle. That statement is absolutely untrue. That statement is saying, in effect, that the word is, recession is two quarters of falling back, two successive quarters of economic falling back is not actually a recession. So they're playing the Bill Clinton game. It depends on the word, the meaning of what the word is, is. When they say this is neither the official definition nor the way economists evaluate the state of the business cycle, what actually Mr. Biden and his administration is saying is, we don't like the fact that we're in a recession, so therefore we're going to play games with the word, and yet the dictionaries itself mitigate 1,000% against what he's saying. In other words, you can't trust what he's saying. You can't trust at all what he's saying when you play games with the words. Now, let's say that we're going to not talk about politics for a moment. We're going to talk about the Bible itself. So here's the question. What is sin? Notice the word is. What is Sin. Can we know what sin is? Well, let's go to the dictionary. What would you say sin is, by the way? One article says, sin is a spiritual virus that infects every part of our lives. Well, to some extent, that's true. But that's not what sin is. Sin is a very clear definition in the Bible. It is transgression against the law. It's transgression against God's law. 
That's why we use the phrase sin in the eyes of God. Because you can create sins in the eyes of man. By the way, that's what political correctness has done, and progressivism has created counterfeit sins. And you dare not defy those counterfeit sins because then you are guilty as sin and have to be cut off from society. You have to be curtailed. You have to be uh, corralled. You have to be canceled because of these counterfeit sins that are created. Sin is transgression against the law. You know why so many people now hate the word law? Because they hate the word sin. They don't want to be called a sinner. So they have to redefine it. Give it a nicer feel like missing the mark. Are you beginning to get the message? We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. We're talking about the meaning of words. And, in fact, do words even matter? Why they matter, why they should matter to you and to me. But, unfortunately, they don't seem to matter anymore in our culture. And, yes, even among Christians. Even among pastors, unfortunately. Pastors are prone, like the rest of society, to try to pander to the people in their congregations by changing the words, trying to make the words nicer, softer, cutting away the keen edge of the Word of God that's designed to pierce the innermost recesses of our minds and hearts. But don't say it that way because it's hard to grow a church that way, you see. So we change the words. We even change some of the meanings of the words. I know a lot about this because I've grown up in the church my entire life in many different denominations. And I've watched now over the past 30 years since we formed Save America Ministries have been watching this pattern from coast to coast. And it does not matter what denomination. It doesn't matter whether they're independent, whether they're evangelical, whether they're fundamentalist, uh, charismatic, word faith, they're all changing the meanings of words for the same reason, and that is we don't much like the clarity of God's word. We don't want it that clear. 
We want to be able to carve away the edges, soften the edges, make it feel better. You know, kind of like the song, a little bit of sugar makes the medicine go down. But God doesn't present his word with sugar. He presents it with love and with truth, but not with sugar. So are we in a recession? Answer, absolutely. Forbes magazine, the foremost business magazine, said a couple of days ago, a recession is a significant decline in economic activity that lasts for months or even years. Experts declare a recession when a nation's economy experiences negative gross domestic product or income for two successive quarters. So how is it that Joe Biden and his administration, his spokespeople, can get by with telling us that we're not in a recession when, in fact, we meet the qualifications defined by experts and the dictionaries as, indeed, a recession? They just don't like it. Just don't want to believe it. Why? For political reasons, there's a motivation. Why? Because there's an election coming up, a midterm, and they know that it will not serve well to promote election of their party representatives, and so they're denying that which is clear on its face. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of a kid who his mother or somebody else will speak to the child something that they don't want to hear, and the kid puts his fingers in his ears and waves his hand and said, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. <laughs> we, we play these ridiculous, ridiculous games, and we think somehow we're so sophisticated. Right? So what is a woman, by the way? Are you willing to identify what a woman is? Well, here's what the Merriam-Webster Dictionary says, an adult female person. Hmm. So a woman is a female. Apparently, though, the Supreme Court justice just appointed and approved by the United States Senate as qualified isn't even qualified from her own viewpoint to define the simplicity of a woman. She says, I can't tell you. Now, how can you trust such a person on any issue if that person can't even follow the simplicity of the meaning of the word is? A woman is a female. You see our problem? We are actually destroying the very foundations of trust in our society at every level. When God says his word is truth, we need to take that seriously. The Bible says every word of God is pure. 
every word of God is pure. It doesn't say the ones you agree with. It doesn't say the ones you like. It doesn't say the ones that your denomination emphasizes. It says every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto those who put their trust in him. Then he goes on to say, add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove you and you be found a liar. That's the Bible. It may not sound sweet, but when you're trying to communicate truth, and it's seriously important for your life and for destiny, you have to communicate straightly. And that's what we do here on Viewpoint. We don't play games. Someone was asking me, well, how many listeners do you have? My point is, I don't need to know. I don't try to know how many listeners we have. You know why I don't? Because the moment I become engaged in pursuing how many listeners I have, I am prone as a human being to carve out areas of what we talk about or don't talk about and the way we talk about them in order to increase the listenership. That is not biblical. That is ungodly. And we don't do that. Praise the Lord. He has given me a situation where I do not have to depend on any man's money for what is said or not said here on Viewpoint. Because Viewpoint determines destiny. Our viewpoint, from God's viewpoint, determines destiny. We can't play games with that. I'm a trustee of the words from God. I'm not God, but I'm a trustee. God has given me a responsibility to prepare the way of the Lord, to communicate his truth, to communicate his word in such a way that anyone who has an honest heart will listen and will get the message and their life will change. If you're not of an honest heart playing games with the word is, like Bill Clinton, you won't get it. And that's why the majority of the people will not get it. They will not. Even those who profess the name of Christ. And that's why Jesus said, he that endures to the end shall be saved. It doesn't say he that starts the race. It says he that endures to the end. In other words, we have to continue to follow the truth, love the truth, obey the truth in humility and in righteousness. But but what is this truth? Well, an article came out. This is the headline, Trump, National Guard, and January 6th, the truth. Well, what is the truth concerning January 6th? Is it what's being portrayed there in the so-called January 6th committee, which is a virtually a star chamber type of uh, a quasi-legal proceeding that is totally unauthorized by the Constitution? It has the Congress, a certain group in the Congress, have arrogated themselves to try to destroy a former president. That's their goal. That being their goal, they're not interested in truth. They're only interested in communicating to you something that you will accept as the truth. If they were really interested in truth, 
they would have representatives cross-examining these various witnesses, just like a court. But they're not interested in truth. They're interested in a political projection to accomplish a nefarious purpose, and that is to destroy someone from being able to run for the presidency. It's their goal. They're globalists. Every single one of them is a globalist. They hated Donald Trump because he said, we're going to make America great again. In other words, his message was anti-globalist, and they said, no, we're not going to go for that. We will destroy you. That's what it's about. So, then you have an issue like this. If former President Donald Trump's word is not enough, an official Capitol Police timeline and Pentagon memo also back up his assertion that he authorized the use of the National Guard in the days before the January 6th Capitol breach. It's out there. But his overture was rejected by the Congress and D.C. officials. Why? Why was Donald Trump's call for use of the National Guard not taken up by Nancy Pelosi and by Washington, D.C. officials. They had their reasons, friends. They wanted this to occur. They had their reasons. Then they wanted to call it an insurrection. But the word insurrection does not mean anything like what happened on January 6th. Now, it was an unfortunate event, the way some of the people behaved, not the majority of the people, but some of them. Apparently, Donald Trump was seeking to have a peaceful event and ordered out the National Guard, said that that was approved. The Pentagon approved it or, or received it. It's all in writing. It was not an insurrection. All the claims about all the people that were killed and the firearms and all of that, no. Only one person was killed as a result, and that was done by a Capitol Police officer inappropriately against a woman who had no firearm. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. We're talking today about words. We're talking about the importance of words and how Words are being manipulated terribly in our culture, politically, 
economically, um, in every way, in our family concerning sexuality, concerning relationships. It's amazing. The words are being destroyed intentionally. Sounds like 1984 all over again, doesn't it? If you've ever read the book. Look, we're engaged, whether you like it or not, whether we want to admit it or not, we are finding ourselves in the midst of a cesspool of manipulating language, which means we are facing ever-increasing assaults on our ability to trust one another and on our ability to trust God himself, our ability to trust the government, our ability to trust the courts, our ability to trust economists, our ability to trust anyone. You say, well, what can I do about this? Well, let me tell you what. Use words appropriately. Resist the temptation to use, for instance, the word gay. It is an inappropriate word. It is not a true word that was designed for that purpose. It meant blithe or happy. Refuse to use the word gay. Use the word homosexuality or homosexual or lesbian or sodomy. Use the actual words. The word that actually describes the situation or condition, not euphemistic terms that are designed to make it seem nice. That's a place to start. The same is true with other kinds of words. For instance, we're either in a recession or we're not, according to definitions. If we are, then admit it. Don't play political games because you're a Democrat or a Republican. Don't be a, a political liar. Don't be a political dissimulator. Playing games with words? That's not godly. It's deceptive. And you are playing the game of the serpent. That's what Satan did in the garden. That's how he seduced Eve. Hath God said, he played games with the word of God. And he was extremely successful. And he's been successful ever since. Don't play his game. With any word. Now, either our border is secure or it is not. When you find hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people pouring over the border without restraint, how dare anyone say the border is secure? It's an outright unmitigated lie. And I don't care whether you're a Republican, a Democrat, or a groundhog. 
if you take up that mantra and somehow go along with the words of Mr. Mayorkas to claim that the border is secure, you are as much of a deceiver as he is. We cannot, as Christians, live this kind of deceptive life. We can't play these games. Our word must be our bond. We must mean what we say, say what we mean, and be truthful as much as in us lives. And stop trying to pander to people's sensibilities for political purposes or cultural purposes. When I wrote the book Seduction of the Saints, We considered all kinds of issues. This word issue is only one. And I urge you to get a copy of the book, Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. It's written for our times. I think it will open your eyes. It'll help you to understand how easily we're manipulated even within God's own house. We have to have discernment, friends. We have to have discernment. Discern right from wrong, truth from error, righteousness from unrighteousness, holiness from everything to the contrary. We have to be able to discern those things. But we're losing the ability to discern because we are redefining the words. We're invading, we're actually creating our own form of cancel culture when we do that and don't even realize it. The book, Seduction of the Saints. It's an $18 book, yours for $15. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. By the way, what are, are, are you a partner with us yet? You need to be. Have you noticed we don't have any commercial support for this program? Do you know why? Because it's impossible to get Christian or other kinds of commercial support when we deal with issues straightforwardly like what we do. Just can't do it. People are not that in love with the truth, even if they're a Christian businessman. They're afraid. And so we have to trust God completely. And God is trusting you as his person, as his saints, to come alongside and enable the message to continue to come forth, which means that when you become a partner with us, you are actually helping to speak yourself. You may not be able to be on the radio, but you can be by becoming a partner with us. That's how it works. I hope you'll do that. Go to the website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. 1-800-SAVE-USA or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255.
888-528-2557. Okay, now, did you know, this just came out today, Christian College now giving students pronoun options. That's right. The Methodist Emory University in Atlanta has announced a plan that gives students a choice as to the pronouns by which they are identified in school records. The Methodist Church in America is one of the traditional denominations that come under fire under the influence of various secular social agendas, including the LGBT agenda. And just days ago, more than 100 Florida churches filed a lawsuit to leave the United Methodist Church Conference. But now we find that the university, students will, will claim their preferred pronouns through the school's online system for making payments and registering for classes. Friends, this is an absolute unmitigated defiance against the creation order of God. Do you realize that? God said, in the beginning, he created them male and female. Male and female created he them for the purpose of procreation. Be fruitful and multiply. Lesbians cannot be fruitful and multiply. Neither can male homosexual sodomizers. Can't be fruitful and multiply. Therefore, they are not, by definition, part of God's created order. As human beings, yes. As sodomizers, lesbians, homosexual practitioners, no. As transgenders, no. That's a personal problem for them, admittedly. And there are many reasons why that might be true. But it's not God's order, and it's a defiance of God's creation, order, and plan. If you choose to go along with that agenda, you are also in agreement with the defiance of God's own word. I'm sorry to have to put it so bluntly, but you are. This is serious stuff. It's not a game. God says, I change not. The Bible says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. They change not. He's God, friends. He's not going to be manipulated by your desire to change words. Whether you are Methodist Emory University or some other university, How about the word choice? Well, the word choice means the ability to choose. But is it a choice, a legitimate choice, from God's viewpoint, to kill your child? Absolutely not. It's not a choice. That is not a legitimate choice. No matter what you call it, it's not a legitimate choice. It's a defiance against the very word of God. You have your reasons, of course. But it's a defiance against the word of God. It's not a choice. 
Now, what you do have is a choice of whether or not you're going to follow God. And if you choose not to, you've got big problems. Because the Bible says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Because God is not a God that he would lie. He's not a man that he would lie. The Bible says, choose you this day whom you will serve. That's your choice. Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve the culture? Are you going to serve political correctness? Are you going to serve the manipulation, the, the, the cultural manipulation of words to make people feel like they can do whatever they jolly well please? No, you can't do that. Does it might make you might it make you a little peculiar in the culture? Yes. Is that's why the Bible says he's called us to be a peculiar people. Different. Called out. Not like everybody else. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and your heart, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay, but how about the word equity? We used to talk about equality. Now, in the last several years, everybody wants to talk about equity. But what are they talking about? Well, here's the definition, the dictionary definition of equity. The quality of being fair and impartial. The quality of being fair and impartial. So, God says... He's going to judge the world with equity, fairly and impartially. Does it mean everybody should be guaranteed the same results in life? No, that's not equity. That's thievery. Oh, how we can manipulate the words. Thanks for joining us here on Viewpoint. We could talk about this for hours and hours and hours. I hope it's been helpful. Go to our website, saveus.org. Make your generous uh, gift there. Get a copy of the book, Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. $15 on our website, saveus.org. I don't think you'll be disappointed, friend. I really don't. I think your eyes are going to be open in ways that you never dreamed possible. Thanks for joining with us. God bless. Be a blessing. Let's have a word be your mind. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.